Every leader needs a Clemmy to tell them what nobody else can or will. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Hey, do you remember The Emperor's New Clothes, that Danish folktale told by Hans Christian Andersen? It's the story of a leader so in love with his wardrobe that he let himself be convinced by two scoundrels who came disguised as weavers that they were making him a beautiful suit of clothes, when in reality, it was all just pretend. But the emperor, so intent on having a different suit for each hour of the day and showing them off, bought the lie when the two rogues said that their cloth was invisible to everyone not worthy of the office they held or too much a simpleton to see it. These self-professed weavers pretended to be at work, and in time, the emperor sent his faithful old minister to check on the progress. Of course, there was nothing to see, but the charlatans were incredibly good at their deception. Anderson writes, The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him and whether the colors were not very beautiful at the same time pointing to the empty frames. Well, the faithful old minister was as gullible as they were deceptive and not wanting to appear a simpleton who could not recognize such obvious beauty, he acknowledged that indeed the cloth, the patterns, and the color were lovely. Well, you know the story. The king sends a second attendant, and then finally the emperor himself went to visit the tailors, and both of them, not wanting to appear as simpletons, bought the lie. So the emperor takes to the streets in nothing more than his birthday suit to impress all his subjects, who sagely nod with equal approval at the emperor's new clothes, until a little boy cries, but the emperor has nothing at all on. Hey, how many times has a leader missed the obvious because he or she has not had that little voice in his or her life. Winston Churchill became prime minister on May 10, 1940, the very day that Hitler launched his blitzkrieg against France. In their book, Letters for the Ages, the private and personal letters of Winston Churchill, editors James Drake and Alan Packwood describe the enormous pressure that Churchill faced. Here's what they write. The events of 1940 are often presented in a glamorous and heroic light. Yet to those who were there at the time, like Churchill's private secretary, John Martin, they had seemed a time of agony piled on agony. It cannot always have been easy for Churchill to remain so resolute and confident in public. Meanwhile, while Churchill may have appeared resolute and confident in public, Clementine Churchill was recognizing that her husband was becoming, as the editors note, too rough sarcastic and overbearing, and that he had to combine terrific power with urbanity, kindness, and if possible, Olympic calm. And in a sense, she became the little boy to the emperor. Listen to her letter, and as you do, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, do I have a Clemmy in my life? From Clementine to Winston, 27th of June, 1940. My darling, I hope you will forgive me if I tell you something I feel you ought to know. One of the men in your entourage, a devoted friend, has been to me 
and told me that there is a danger of your being generally disliked by your colleagues and subordinates because of your rough, sarcastic, and overbearing manner. It seems your private secretaries have agreed to behave like schoolboys and take what's coming to them, and then escape out of your presence, shrugging their shoulders. Higher up, if an idea is suggested, say at a conference, you are supposed to be so contemptuous that presently no ideas, good or bad, will be forthcoming. I was so astonished and upset, because in all these years I have been accustomed to all those who have worked with and under you, loving you. I said this, and I was told, no doubt it's the strain. My darling Winston, I must confess that I have noticed a deterioration in your manner, and you are not so kind as you used to be. It is for you to give the orders, and if they are bungled, except for the King, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the Speaker of the House of Commons, you can sack anyone and everyone. Therefore, with this terrific power, you must combine urbanity, kindness, and, if possible, Olympic calm. You used to quote, On ne règne sur les armes que par le calme. One cannot reign over hearts except by keeping calm. I cannot bear that those who serve the country and yourself should not love you as well as admire and respect you. Besides, you won't get the best results by irascibility and rudeness. They will breed either dislike or a slave mentality, rebellion in wartime being out of the question. Please forgive your loving, devoted, and watchful, Clemmy. Here's my aha moment. Clementine Churchill says, I must confess that I have noticed a deterioration in your manner, and you are not so kind as you used to be. When I hear her words, I think of the words from Proverbs, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And you can find that in Proverbs 27, verse 6. Now, in the Hans Christian Andersen story, the emperor did not have those friends who spoke truth that hurt but was helpful. And I don't want to go political on you, but this really sounds to me like what's happening in our government on both sides of the aisle. But Clementine Churchill, she spoke up. You know, Proverbs says about the virtuous woman, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And since we don't have Prime Minister Churchill's response, then let's look at this from the angle of Clemmy, what can we learn about speaking truth to power from Clementine Churchill? I see five things in her letter. One, wounds from a friend, that is, words that hurt but heal, are words that come out of relationship. Now, we've got to get this. That doesn't mean you have to be married to the person you're addressing. But words go further when there's relationship behind them. Clementine Churchill, she had that. You know, she writes, my darling. And oftentimes we may want to speak truth to power, but I think that truth goes further when there's relationship with that person in power. All right, second thing. Wounds from a friend don't come sugar-coated. Clemmy said, I must confess that I have noticed a deterioration in your manner and you are not so kind as you used to be. I love that. She does not sugarcoat it. And that's a great lesson for us to learn when we're speaking truth to power where there is relationship. Number three, wounds from a friend 
are very specific as to the problem and the correction to the problem. Clementine wrote, There is a danger of your being generally disliked by your colleagues and subordinates because of your rough and sarcastic and overbearing manner. It seems your private secretaries have agreed to behave like schoolboys and take what's coming to them and then escape out of your presence shrugging their shoulders. Higher up, you're supposed to be so contemptuous that presently no ideas, good or bad, will be forthcoming. And then she offers the correction. She says, Therefore, with this terrific power, you must combine urbanity, kindness, and if possible, Olympic calm. Number three, wounds from a friend are very specific as to the problem and the correction of the problem. And Clementine Churchill is that way. She doesn't go, generally speaking, she speaks very specifically. Number four, wounds from a friend have the leader's best interest at heart, and get this, and the people the leader leads. She writes, I cannot bear that those who serve the country and yourself should not love you as well as admire and respect you. Besides, you won't get the best results by irascibility and rudeness. They will breed either dislike or a slave mentality. What a wise woman. And finally, number five, wounds from a friend recognize the challenge of leadership without excusing the conduct. Clementine writes, I was so astonished and upset because in all these years, I've been accustomed to all those who have worked with and under you loving you. I said this and I was told, no doubt it's the strain. And you can hear in her letter there that sense of her recognizing the challenges and the pressure that he's under when it comes to the leadership that he's giving for the country. But I'm looking at all this and I'm saying, wow, in one letter, Clementine Churchill puts on a clinic about how to speak truth to power. So let me ask you again, who is your Clemmy? Who's that person or persons who delivers the wounds that can be trusted? Now, if you have that person, thank them. That individual is a gift from God and tell them, hey, you know me, I trust you, you can say anything to me. All right, at the same time, if you don't have that person, maybe it's time to look inside and ask, why not? You know, have I been too much the emperor, only wanting the accolades? And then I'd encourage you to take it another step and seek out that person you know is for you, but not so for you that they won't tell you what you really need to hear, and then share this story and invite them to be your Clemmy. Who's your Clemmy? Who's the person who delivers the wounds that can be trusted? Find that person. You'll get better. Your team will be grateful. And you won't be embarrassed by the little boy who says, hey, the emperor has no clothes. And that's my thought on my walk with James Drake and Alan Packwood in their delightful and insightful collection of private letters and commentary, Letters for the Ages. Now, my question for you is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? <music> 